Used to introing, but he just doesn't. Did it, did it, did it, did it, Welcome everyone to a bit Spursy. I'm Dan, and uh, this week uh, we've got no Barney, um, so he's off writing his thesis. Uh, either that, or he has just thrown the toys out of the cot after the Palace game, and how much of a disappointment that was, <laughs> and he's quit the pod. So <laughs> I think that's uh, a justifiable reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. Uh, so I'd like to introduce a special guest we have this week is Jackson, who you would have heard just then. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me on the pod. It is lovely to be here. No, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, being being the substitute for Barney's short-term loan. Um, <laughs> of course. I mean, I, I imagine it's a small uh, transfer pool of uh, Tottenham Hotspur players that you have, at, uh, of uh, fans that you have at hand that you can just pull into the pull into the podcast. Oh look! Basically, from my side, it's me and Dad, and that's all I know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm dry. <laughs> Once we go past the gaffer, I am completely dry. Um, but I think, yeah, Barney's uh, Barney said that you know you're a big Spurs fan, and mm. now I guess I'm curious as to like, are you one? that he has converted to a Spurs fan or do you predate his, his involvement with Spurs? No. So, um, I, uh, very much influenced by, uh, Barney in that regard. I will say, I will say when I first got into, um, uh, cause I started watching football with, um, uh, Barney and Tim, um, who I believe, you know, as well, uh, cause we were studying the same course at uni back in Western Australia. Um, and, uh, that was spending a lot of time watching the premier league. And I was like, that's the thing that I want to get into. Who should I support? Uh, and there was this long conversation between the three of us. Uh, Tim's a Chelsea fan. Um, Barney was a um, Tottenham, I think I think by way of Man United initially or something like that. I, I think I can remember him saying that there was an initial sort of draw towards the uh, the continual champions. Um, I was about to say, is that, that's a bit of dirt. I don't know if I've heard that before. Very interesting. I hope I haven't there we go. this right. spot. <laughs> we, will, we will raise that with Barney next week. <laughs> I think when we talked about our Spurs histories, he didn't mention just, you know, uh, he was a Man U fan to begin with. <laughs> well, I, th- I think, like, and I could be wrong about this. Maybe this is just a complete fabrication. But um, I, I feel like I'm the son at the moment reporting. But anyway, um, <laughs> the way I seem to remember it is that he had a friend who watched the Premier League when he was younger who was a United fan, and Barney was just sort of, like, swept up in that. But, you know, there's photos of Harry Kane in an Arsenal training shirt. So I, I feel like that, that sort of stuff, when you're young, you're young. Um but yeah, we had this long conversation about who we should support, and um, both Barney and Tim were um, reticent to encourage me to support either of their teams. Um, I think this was the year, was this, I think 2013, mid- I, I joined around, the t- like Tim Sherwood was our manager. Uh, I think maybe I was drawn towards a, um, you know, a middle-aged suburban dad uh, in a sweater <laughs> as the manager. I thought that was quite exciting. Um but yeah, uh, Tim was kind of like, look, Chelsea, we're probably going to win the league in the next season they did. Um, and was sort of making an argument for wanting someone that like might have a bit of success, but isn't necessarily going to be a, um, a title contender immediately. Um, which, true to form, I think that's, that's exactly what Tottenham has done. We've sort of had a bit of, uh, like, there's been a lot of passion and ex- exciting moments and a lot of pathos and um, uh, ne- yeah, 
like a couple of misses as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you were presented both options and you chose to take the hard road. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, everyone loves an underdog, I think. Well, I certainly do. Um, and Tottenham had that sort of... Like, it didn't feel like I'd be like stressing about relegation every season, but also I wasn't like sitting there being like, it's going to be Champions League every year. Um, so yeah, it felt like a nice balance. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think I just come from a, a, a situation where I, my, my friends from um, sort of primary school and high school, none of them really ever entertained the idea of going for Spurs. Mm. Um, and I think I didn't have the chance to sort of convert someone into the sport. Like everyone I knew who was kind of was like open to it already had their teams picked. Um, like, you know, people had, there was a lot of Liverpool going because of, um, you know, of you had like Kuehl back then. You have some like leads as well from like, you know, earlier Kuehl and yeah. Viduka and <laughs> and those sort of things. So, yeah. um, and then apart from that, it was people just absolutely glory hunting going for Man U or Arsenal back then. Yeah, um, I've, I've known a lot of Arsenal fans in my, because I feel like that's like in terms of that fandom not like the dot-com stuff and that sort of thing, but I think as sort of social media and the internet really starts to emerge in terms of that, you know, global connectedness or whatever, you have the Invincibles and you have Thierry Henry like playing, like one of the most exciting players to ever be in the Premier League. It's not surprising that younger people that are in touch with the internet at that time are being like, no, it's the Gunnosaurus for me. It's Arsenal and that sort of thing. Um, the horrible outcome of that is that like whenever I meet someone, uh, I'm currently living in New South Wales, um, whenever I meet someone who says they follow the Premier League, I have to follow up being like, well, who do you support? And genuinely, most often, it's, well, I support Arsenal, and I have to end the conversation there. And I, I just want someone to talk to the sport about, but there's nothing to be done. It's refuse to engage. Refuse <laughs> to engage, unless at gunpoint. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I guess this year, if I, if, I, if I met a brand new Arsenal supporter this year, then I might entertain the conversation, because at that point, it's like, well, like... <laughs> What are we doing here? Like, tell yeah. tell me your thoughts. What do you think should happen? Like, Arteta <laughs> out? Like, are you gonna are you gonna get Conte in? Like, what's going on? I want to know. Um, yeah, but no, I, I must admit, I did laugh when I did say that. Um, you know, especially after the third, after three games. So forget last weekend. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> but after three games, there was a lot of talk seeing from Arsenal fans like, yeah, no, we need to get rid of Arteta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conte is available. Zidane's available. Uh, and it's just like you're bottom of the league. Like it's yeah. it's it's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And um, like I I feel like I have a, a a weird relationship with Arsenal in that I do definitely feel the affinity to dislike the club, mm. but also it's like I can't get too carried away with it because I think if like you're living over in London. And you know if it's so much more prevalent in society over there, of course. So it's so it's like all my interactions with football here. It's just through talking with friends. It's like the local news are never talking about this. I don't even know what I mean. The local news. Like we're, <laughs> what am I watching the local news tonight and just hoping they're going to talk about a yeah. Spurs game? The suburban gazette isn't uh, putting yeah. up player profiles and that sort of thing. No, it's like you know, cat found, and I'm like, well, well, that's great, but I want to know if. Yeah. Pochettino is building a super team in Paris. Why aren't we talking about this? Yeah, why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we getting into the real issues here? Yeah. Um, but it just feels like a little bit sort of distant. So I do love getting in on the, like, Arsenal suck. <laughs> like, of course. Um, their ban- their of banter course. era, as they, as they refer to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like a part of me would really love to live in 
uh, in London at some stage in my life for a little while mm. and get to actually experience that in the flesh and really sort of see, um, you know, really sort of see like sort of how deep that does run. Mm. And I know that as well, like when you actually get into the communities, there's a lot of like Arsenal fans, Spurs fans who live like in the same areas and stuff. So of I'm course, sure yeah. it's not kind of like this. Um, you know, like Northern Ireland, like divide where you need yeah. sort of like fences up and all that sort of thing. But yeah. it would really be nice to actually, I guess, see this rivalry play out at the epicenter um, mm. for once. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I guess it's like, I think the old the old rivalries of like, you know, like the, the firms of the 90s and that sort of thing, I think that's largely um, sort of faded away as more money has come into the game and that sort of thing. And I think that sort of rivalry now is like, it's like the Boca Juniors, um, River Plate, like in Argentina. Like that's where you find that sort of like bloody-minded <laughs> brutality. Whereas now it's a sort of like fundamentally, what it's like. There's like nine billion dollars going into the Premier League compared to other other um, leagues around the world and that sort of thing. It's just it's just very money, money now, um, which is you know has its um, upsides and downsides. Um, I think you only have to look towards the transfer market that we've just sort of crested through to sort of uh, see some of the upsides and downsides of that. Um, but yeah, no, I think it would be, it'd be interesting to be like there physically and like immersed in it rather than, you know, watching games at 2am um, on the other side of the world. Yeah. And then just finding out like, Oh, Arsenal have conceded. Yeah. Um, cool. Who do I tell? What do I, how do I express this to someone mm. right now? Um, no, I think you touched not. on a good point though, because um yeah, I think these days now, like most of the hatred goes towards uh, the big spending teams who have, we're crediting with ruining the game as, uh, you know, yep. as is currently. So like Man City, uh, Chelsea, you know, they there's a lot more animosity towards them, I think, than even there is to Arsenal right now. Yeah. Uh, from me anyway. Yeah, totally. Well, I think there's been that sort of... Uh, inverse, like, St. Totteringham's Day sort of thing, where, like, now a lot of Spurs supporters are very keen to be, like, our rivals are Chelsea. Like, Arsenal, they're minnows, really. They're not playing in Europe. They're not, like, in the Champions League. Like, forget about them. It's Chelsea who are our big rival. And then, obviously, City, um, who certainly, personally, I feel the most hatred towards at the moment, um, off the back of this most recent... Um, the summer stuff, but then even like in the last few years, like it seems like every every second year there's like a, a rumor about like financial fair play stuff with regards to Man City, and then nothing ever happens with it. It always just gets swept under the rug, or like oh no, they they've just scraped in, they've not done anything technically wrong yet, and it's like well yeah, they they have endless funds. It's really hard to um. I, I guess there's that illusion still of like football, the Premier League, um, and even like the whole English football division. I guess having a sense of like hometown, you know, heroes and rivalries, and people support the clubs where they're born, and you know, obviously hypocritical given that <laughs> wasn't but one's bought in Tottenham or anything like that. Um, but then when you see clubs like you know like Roman Abramovich and like um, like City just like buying buying players purely so other teams can't have them and just like furnishing these benches that are worth like hundreds of millions of dollars it's um yeah i think a little bit disheartening i guess and then, and then even and i i uh, like this is obviously going a bit further back now as well but like even talking to about the um the european super league that was like sort of presented as, as an option and i just, i just remember the, like my feelings are just like absolute like like I was like lamenting or something like that. Like when I heard, it, I was like, because it felt like we, it was, a, it was like a heel turn, like uh, to mm. use a, a wrestling term. Like if I, I was like, 
Tottenham are this like team, in my opinion, that is like very attacking football focused, very much like you know to dare is to do, and like we're underdogs, and like we've, we've we haven't had as much money as blah 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 blah. And then to see Tottenham in that group being like, let's fuck off this competition. What what we're really after is is ensuring that the money and bringing the best players year after year. It, it just it was it was a bit heartbreaking to be honest. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it was a really interesting time that period because um, I remember we did the podcast talking about that on the day that then the Super League got announced that it wasn't going ahead. <laughs> um, and so it's like we just finished recording, pressed upload, and then it's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> That's now an irrelevant two hours of material that yeah. we've got up. Um, but it was also when like you know Mourinho got sacked too. So it was just like there was so many things going on at that time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like looking back and reflecting on it now, it's like, yeah, it was it was really bad. It was horrible. But also I'm still going to say that to me it strikes us as, you know, Spurs were kind of there as like the plus one at the party who were too scared to not be invited. Absolutely. And were kind of like, oh, we got an invite? We got an invite? Yeah, we'll, we'll come, we'll come. No, don't worry, we'll bring the booze. We'll bring all the booze for everyone. Yeah. We'll course. do this. No, 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 we're cool. Don't worry, we're cool. <laughs> we'll bring our Super Nintendo. It's It's fine. <laughs> and then yeah. we've got everyone else sort of like, you know, City, Liverpool and, and Arsenal and just, hey, just chill, just chill Spurs, yeah. just, just relax. Like, no, 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 really we should be here. here. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, and I also think about that with regards to, um, so is, I think I saw somewhere that like Daniel Levy is now heading up like the EEC or whatever. Um, like one, one of the bodies, like, like following, um, following the changes to the Super League, like, and that sort of falling through somehow Levy in his way has managed to install himself as like one of the key power brokers going forward. And it's, it, it, I mean, the man can maneuver in uh, miraculous ways, um, seemingly oh. uh, positioning himself to have more power in the traditional power structure after like being one of the breakaway group being like, we're better than you. Like it's, yeah, in the same way that I think a lot of Tottenham fans have re-embraced Harry Kane, I feel like the EEC has re-embraced Daniel Levy, and they're like, no, we, we, we always loved you. Come back. Definitely. It's like Teflon Levy. It just doesn't <laughs> stick to him. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, like, it's a good point. It's like, yeah, you're part of the six that we're going to do Super League, but now you have the backing for most of the chairman in the Premier League to represent us. Mm. Um, I kind of feel like maybe people look at it and go, when Daniel Levy's on your side, you know that you're never going to get the worst end of the deal. Um, for most cases. <laughs> so I think they've kind of gone, because I think the other one was, I, I, f- I, I forget his name, but it was the chairman of um, City. Right. And they are Soriano, Serrano, Soriano, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I think it was basically those were the two who were kind of going for it. And then he pulled out once he realized that Levy had more of the backing from the rest of the chairman in the league. Right. So it must have just been a thing where they're like, everyone else is like, hey, we just, we hate dealing with this, this Daniel Levy guy, but... If he's going to be representing our interests, <laughs> he's probably going to go pretty hard for that in Europe. So yeah. let's get him in and and let's um yeah, let's give him a go. All is <laughs> forgotten about last year. <laughs> yeah, good God. Um, so well, was, I mean, yeah. I guess like on the topic of um uh you know of Tottenham with regards to like the rest of Europe and that sort of thing, um I would be pretty eager to talk about. Uh, the international break from hell, um, which is <laughs> what do you mean? I ba- of- <laughs> barely noticed that it happened. Barely noticed it had no impact on our squad whatsoever. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I really, 
because like this, obviously the start of the season, three wins, you know, three one nil wins, but three wins all the same. Nuno being the most positive man in the world. It's a very exciting time to be a Tottenham supporter for that, those three weeks. Uh, and then so the international break comes around and I was like, ah, well, you know, like qualifiers. Sure, I love the Euros and I love the World Cup, but I'm sort of more interested in the competition when it's actually there and the qualifiers aren't as exciting for me. Um, and then just watching, going from three wins in a row to just watching our players like they're being shot down by snipers was just um, astounding. And then to have an international political drama as well. I mean, like it, it was, it, where's season two of the document of the Amazon documentary? <laughs> oh, definitely. Like I always fear international breaks. Um mm. For this reason that they are, usually it seems like it's too many games packed into a short amount of um, short amount of time. And especially now that FIFA's playing catch-up with like missed previous international qualifiers. So they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to play three games in this in this period now. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? Why? That's too much. Um, and it's it kind of, I just think they are so just ripe for injuries. And mm. it always just fills me with anxiety hearing that players are going off um on international breaks, because I think if we have any of our Spurs players, if we've got them week to week, we're kind of trying to manage them as much as we can. Apart from if you're any manager we've had, who's had Harry Kane in the past and you just play him every single game (laughs) and it's a bit ridiculous, but in general, we're trying to manage our players so we can go, you know what? They're not ready to play this weekend. Let's bring them back next week. Let's give them 30 minutes to give them that anything else. Hmm. Whereas I think that all the international managers you know, they are representing the country more than the club. So they're like, well, we don't really care if your play is not 100% fit because if we can get like a couple of games out of him and avoid like a serious long-term injury, mm. like they are, they don't really mind so much if like fatigue sort of comes into it. Of course. Um, and so that always really fills me with worry, not of our players just coming back really tired, but of like getting fatigued and then having these injuries pop up um, out of nowhere. And then this international break has come and... It's just everywhere. There's just little niggling injuries that um, I'm so surprised Kane didn't do his ankle because I was like, <laughs> that's the first one that I was like, that's going to go. That's the first one we're going to hear about. But then it's just like Son, and I personally think that Son is, for how our team plays, I think that Son is more crucial in our team than Harry Kane. I'm mm. not saying that I think Son is a better player overall, but I feel like given how we're playing and how we're really wanting to play quickly on the break. Um, Son is like our superstar when we're we're going forward like that. So I honestly think that uh, in a lot of cases, like Son is more crucial for us and that's a bigger loss than Kane. But I know that I'm ducking for cover right now and people could be pelting me with rocks any second. Look, it could just be the atmosphere, but I am inclined to agree with you. Um, I mean, I think you just you have to look at how they play. I mean, I've always been obviously a huge fan of Harry Kane, um, and I think as a as a forward, he is incredibly, incredibly complete and can do things that like few others in the entire world can do. But you look at like how they can marshal a team. Harry Kane can drop deep and can then like knock like a, a Kevin De Bruyne esque pass forward. But if Harry Kane isn't forward and Son isn't there, no one else in Tottenham is actually is actually going to be there to do anything with that ball. And we saw a lot of that like last season, you know, like like Son and Kane linking up so much, and it was like it was like ballet. It was beautiful. Um, but Son obviously can link forward and create those opportunities himself. But he just has so much more pace and like that really sort of like direct quality. Um, that means that 
if we're just like funneling the ball to Sun and playing off the break, he can just like break through lines. As we've seen with like, you know, his goals against like Aston Villa and that sort of thing, where he'll just be able to burst through and actually make something himself. Whereas Kane sort of needs someone to sort of like drop it to him, or he needs someone that is another talented finisher ahead of him that he can do something with. And we don't really have, like, it's Sun is our second finisher. And so if we don't have him, then Harry can just very easily get isolated. Um, is would be my my take. So hence, that's my sort of um, agreement with you with regards <laughs> to Sun being more important than Harry Kane. Um, and it maybe is just, just switch off comments for the, this week's episode. <laughs> Well, it's important, Jackson, you are here to, to just purely agree with me. Uh, there will be no opinions which are, not, which are otherwise. Um, of course. I think it's just, a, it's always an interesting one, like, because you do get, if you ever start talking about um, Son and Kane, it, it things get heated very quickly mm. between people going like, well, what are you talking about? Kane's the best player in the world. Kane's this, that, that. You can't say that about Son. Like in the previous seasons, we've had so many conversations of like, hey, do we play better as a team with when Kane isn't there. Mm. Um, I don't think that's accurate to say we no. play better without him being there, especially after sort of like, you know, um, last season and how he has adapted as more of a playmaker. Mm. But overall, I still just look at these games and like how we played against City, um, having Son in there, I think is more crucial to Kane the way mm. that we played there. Um, so I guess overall from this, I, it's like, I really hope that Son's injury clears up soon. Um, and it doesn't yeah. sort of develop into something where he comes back and he's like, he's hampered a bit and he's like, all right, Son's not really himself because, you know, every season Son usually goes through a, a bit of an average patch where he kind of drops off a little bit. Um, he kind of can run pretty hot and cold. Yeah. I mean, it's good that he tends to save it for when Harry Kane's ankles uh, inevitably get swiped in some manner. And then typically Son's like, don't worry, this is going to be the eight-week period where I play out of my skin. And then Harry Kane rushes back um, from injury too early. Um, and then we'll go back to the status quo. Definitely. Um, and, and so look, let's just hope that that doesn't happen too soon. Because I feel like right now we just need like stability, as much stability as we can. Yeah. Um, well, I think as well, particularly while we're just trying to figure out, um, I mean, figure out what the best version of our team is. Um, obviously, I, I think quite a strong transfer period, like not a perfect transfer period, but I think one that we needed um, as a as a club. Obviously, again, no striker, which is becomes a growing concern. But like, I think like signings like Saar and that sort of thing, I like the and like and Hill are the sign signings that we need to be making as a club. Um, but we do have this thing now where it's like, well, what, what is, what is our best 11? Um, and I think, I don't think anyone really knows. I don't think Nuno knows. I don't think there's been enough time really. Um, but it's, it is that tricky thing where it's like, like what players do we have? And do we have certain players that are quite good individually, but on the same team? Like, do they, do they not necessarily gel and that sort of thing? Um, and I mean, like, you just have to look at the, um, you know, the impact of the international break, uh, on how we lined up against Palace with the, um, the Skip Winks and, um, um, Hjordjörg, uh, sort of defensive wall in the middle, um, just to say like, like we, we, we do have a lot of, um, stuff to iron out in the middle of the pitch. And we, I think we do genuinely have good players, but, um, I don't think we necessarily have the answers there yet. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, what really sort of has impacted us too is that 
you have like to me, Sanchez has been one of the standout players so far this season. Mm. Um, and to have him out uh, missing games, uh, to have Romero, who admittedly I've only seen him in the second Pathos game, mm-hmm. uh, but I, was, I got really excited because, and it's like I know yeah, that they're like you know the fifth best Portuguese team, um, but. <laughs> You know, this has to be some credit given to that league. We mm. can't just go, oh, they're fifth best Portuguese teams. Oh, so if we beat them, oh, you know, whatever. Like, we need to like take some positives from that. Mm. And I think it's like seeing him. Um, it's like cool. He's very, very energetic. He loves to just press. Uh, he seems to have a pretty nice pass on him. Um, yeah. for what we saw in that, and it's like great. He's our sort of like big marquee signing out of all the ones that we made. Mm. Um, I know it's not marquee when you compare it to like a hundred million Grealish or Lukaku type thing. <laughs> But he's an expensive defender, and I think it's like to have Sanchez and Romero both unavailable, and then Dyer, who's been really solid to the start of the season, to go down in I think the fifteenth minute or whatever it was. It's kind of like all right, with this international break, then has wiped out our two, probably our two best centre backs in Sanchez and Romero, and then also our um, Dyer, who's just been so solid for us as well. Um, it shows that how thin we are there. That it's like all right, great. If we had Sanchez and, and Dyer on, Dyer gets injured, not ideal, but I think we bring Romero on and I think we're in a better position than having to revert to Tanganga and Rodon. And I don't have any issues with like Tanganga and Rodon playing some games at centre-back together. Mm. Um, and I think for the future, it could be a really nice pairing, but they're just too inexperienced at Premier League level to, to play there together. I mean, because I know Tanganga, like I think, views himself as a centre back more than a more than a right back. But that's he's definitely been playing and training more as a right back um, of late. And like honestly, like the job that he was doing in centre back up until getting sent off, I was like, I was you know, I was really impressed. And again, I was like, this is a young player who's really you know he's playing for the badge. Like he's he's in the game, and that's amazing. Um, and if it's him against someone that's a bit more seasoned, um, you know, in an ideal world, like it's an Alderweireld or, you know, Vertonghen or something like that, then I would have no troubles at all with him trying to, like, do that job for that match. But then Joe Roden, and, th- and then to have our second sub, Davis, just coming on, um, really, it, I, I mean, what can you do? Like, like once Dye went down, I was like, this is rough, and then... Obviously, getting a man sent off is never going to give you hope to win. Although, what was it? What, what was the the match probability? I remember at one point it was like after we were a man down and like nil all <laughs> at the end of the half. It was like Tottenham still like thirty seven percent chance of winning, and I was like, "We're we're down a man. Like we're <laughs> we're down a man. We haven't had a shot on target." Where do they think this win is coming from? It's so crazy. I love as well. It's like uh, it's like we started going to the international break, and it's just like the Crystal Palace energy is just bubbling over so much that we just need to talk about <laughs> and just get in, um, get into it. I think what I just wanted to quickly um, mm. say about the international break, just before we we get more stuck into the Palace game, yes, was that I think to me the biggest like annoying part of it all was I guess with Lo Celso and Romero heading off against mm. the Premier League's wishes, against the club's <laughs> wishes. And I don't blame these players necessarily because they're under a lot of pressure from their na- their national teams to, and they want to play in the World Cup. like So they've really got that as their main sort of focus for, from a national level. Mm. And they're getting kind of pressured to go and play. So I think they're in a really difficult position there. But it just sort of feels like there just has to be kind of like, I think, more direction from FIFA on this. 
Although I know that FIFA are just so corrupt anyway, but they just see these international fixtures and they say like, cool, we get money from these international fixtures, these friendlies. Um, we, we make money off that. We're just, you know, our main thing is the World Cup, which, uh, you know, you, you don't have to look very far to, to, to start reading about how corrupt FIFA have been over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, but I think it's just really disappointing that we get into the situation where you have, you know, a league saying, we can't really release players now because of the pandemic. So we don't want anyone to go travel to like a red list zone. Otherwise you have to come back and solo quarantine and then a club going, yep, cool. We agree with that. But then it becomes players going, you know what? We're going because we have to go play. Um, So I think just that whole situation to me is just completely ridiculous. Um, And in the middle of this pandemic, like do we need to be traveling, uh, having players travel all over the world and pick up COVID? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true as well, even with what you were saying about the, the idea of us doing catch-up World Cup qualifiers because, like, we've missed some because the world's been a bit spooky. And it's like, well, is, <laughs> is that really what we're... Like, particularly these players that, like, you know, Copa America and also the Euros on in July. Like, no one's going to have any legs by the time the World Cup rolls around whatsoever. Um, I also think the situation of our Argentinian players was just like a... It was like a farce. Like, because it was... The, the Like, they filled in the wrong papers, and then, you know, there were, like, officials in Brazil that, like, technically shouldn't have been storming the pitch, storming the pitch, and being like, these people need to be under arrest, and then, like, the whole team's, like, huddling away from the police. Like, it, it, it was like a genuine, like, international incident. And, of course, it is involving... <laughs> Like, two potential starters for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Yeah, it was just insanity. It was nuts. And I think the whole argument of like, okay, it's not like you didn't know these players were around. So why does the game even start? (laughs) Like, and it's insane. And then to have like, you know, the Argentinian team after the game have to hightail it out of there, out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. and it's like, look, I'm glad that, you know, um, Romero, uh, Lo Celso and Sanchez are now hanging out in Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be, no, they wouldn't be back yet. I think they get back the day before Chelsea. The Chelsea, yeah. So they get yeah. back Saturday or something. Mm. Um, but it's just like, it's just a complete mess all around. Um, but yeah, look, let's, let's go back into Palace because there's a lot of, a lot of feelings flying around about this. <sighs> of course. Um, and so I think, uh, as you were talking about Tanganga, it's, it's probably good to chat about him first. And hmm. um, I agree with you that I think when he was playing um, in when, when he was pl- playing centre back there, he did look decent. Um, and to be completely honest, I don't have huge issues with the challenges he put in and with um, him making those decisions. I honestly think that that um, the foul on Zaha was great. Because it's like, I think you have like Emerson coming in for his first Spurs game to go like, hey, welcome to the pace of the Premier League. Play against Wilfred Zahar for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Have fun, mate. <laughs> um, is ridiculous because it's like, I, I don't, I think like Emerson, like you can't judge him against coming in first game playing against Zaha, uh, a no. team who just plays through that player as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think like, you know, the, the the first challenge from Tanganga, like, it was a bit heavy, sure. Definitely, I'd give that a yellow. Yeah. Um, but it was also sort of a message of, like, oi, where, like, you know, stop. Like, we're going to we're gonna start putting it into what you're doing. 
Um, but then I still can't believe that Zaha doesn't get sent off for his um, his reaction to that because it's like his retaliation yeah. has just completely like it's like there was a little fire going and he's mm. just poured a gallon of petrol on there. And when you look at it in in previous years and you go, all right, Son has been sent off against Lerma um, again in in a game against Bournemouth where he sort of goes up pushes him. Um, he gets sent off against Rudiger for Chelsea when Rudiger's like on top of him and he kind of like kicks out a bit. And those incidents, like they weren't filled with like that much rage from Son either. Um, in the Lerma incidents, and I think actually in the Rudiger one as well, both of those players flopped when they got hit. Mm. So or when they got touched, because I'm not trying to invite, actually condone like hitting someone, but when like they got hit with force that wasn't enough to take them down, they go down. Um, in this one, I think if Tanganga flops... Yeah. Zaha gets sent off. It's it's it is that tricky one because in an ideal sense of the world, like a the officiating would have been better. Um, I mean, it, it's it's messy because they they both sort of go in at each other. But I do think it is surprising that Zaha, that Zaha got yellow and not red in that um, instance. Um, but a more seasoned player pr- probably has it within themselves to be like, if I flop here, we win the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, with Zaha gone, them down an extra person, they can't just, like, sit on us as they were. And ideally, we find some creativity and a ball gets through the cane. We win the game or it's it's a draw and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, you, you don't you don't want to sort of wish a player flops. Um, but I, I think if Tanganga just went with the momentum of what was happening a little bit and went down, then it's probably red. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like, this is not trying to condone flopping as anything mm. at all because, like, I hate Bruno Fernandes purely for the fact of <laughs> he dives so much and so ridiculously mm. that I'm like, that is just complete simulation here. But I think when a player actually does sort of strike you off the ball, um, unless every single player in the league comes and signs an agreement and says, hey, we're not going to go down easily when we get touched, yeah, then it's like, well, play to how the league is played. And yeah. players go down a lot easier than that. And like, I do like that Tanganga is a very strong player and that he does stand his ground. And he did that a lot against Man City as well. Mm. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, like if he just, you know, goes down, makes a little bit more of that, I think Zaha gets penalized a bit more. Also, there was a foul on Mora beforehand, which should yes. have just, the referees, it just should have been called a foul then. Um, and that was, that I have a big sort of problem with. And then I think that Tanganga's second yellow, I don't think it was a uh, a good challenge that he did, but he does try and pull out of it. And also, if you compare that to some of the tackles that Kiate put in in the first half, Kiate doesn't get yellow for them. Mm. So I look at that and I go, look, ref, if you're really refereeing this game sort of properly, like you can see that Tanganga's have had this big blow up. Okay, you haven't sent Zaha off. You've, you've yellow carded both of them. You can understand that these players are going to be a little bit fired up right of now. Course. So then if you have Tanganga going in, pulling out of something, just because the home fans are going sort of nuts, um, I don't think you need to just go, all right, straight yellow right now. Like if he pulls Tanganga over, if he pulls someone else over and he's like, oi, right, you settle down, you're mm-hmm. on a yellow, really settle down. I would much prefer that that is how it's sort of dealt with because I think that um, – yeah, the crowd, I think, did play a really big part in this. And I think mm. it's like we're still not used to being back in stadiums where we do have, um, you know, full crowds just absolutely going crazy. And to Crystal Palace fans' credit, like, it seemed like an incredible atmosphere that they had going in the ground. And I really just think that the referee kind of got 
um, sucked into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why, you know, you have a easy treatment on Zaha for the yellow. That's probably why the more um, tackle that, that gets missed. And that's probably why as well, I think Tanganga gets, uh, you know, sent off mm. um, for that challenge, which it was late, but to me, I don't think that's a yellow card by itself. I, I think you're, I, I feel like the ref coming in and, and like having a chat after that and be like, seriously, like next thing, like you're on thin ice and then you're out of here. That makes complete sense. I mean, also like, not, and not that I think there necessarily needs to be so much consideration by a ref uh, into like, you know, injuries and that sort of thing. But like, you'd have to know like, oh, they've already lost one of their starting defenders to injury within the first 20 minutes. Like, yeah. like at a certain point, you're giving the game away and that sort of thing. And uh, like, that doesn't need to be like, it's officiated how it is. Um, but I think for the way that, the, the way those incidents played out, it do, I do think it's pretty rough on Tanganga. And I think he has a right to feel, you know, somewhat aggrieved by it. Um, Definitely. And I, 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 just on the note that you were saying there too, like it, it's a London derby as well. Mm. So you can see that their emotions are going to be huge from um, both sets of fans, really. Mm. Um, and it's like the great thing about the Premier League, I think, is you do have these really like heated derby games. Um, and I think it's like you kind of lose the spectacle of it when you make a decision like what happened with Tanganga. Yeah. Um, and it was actually like, I think, a really interesting game of like, great, Spurs are really struggling here. Palace are like, you know, peppering our goal, basically. <laughs> um, and But it felt like a really tight game. And it was like, oh, this really could go either way. This is like really intense. And I think it was a really like enjoyable watch up until that stage. Not enjoyable from the sense of like Spurs are playing well, but yeah. I think to see a real a, a game where like, you know, it was like a good battle in the sense of, you know, Palace really doing all that they could, but not but us still holding on by a thread. Yeah. Um, and it to me it just is like you get a decision like that and it just completely ruins it, it ruins the spectacle. Well, I think it's also worth saying as as well, like, even when we were down to 10 men, like, I think we actually played, like, not well, but, like, admirably, like, just holding together. I, I think it's the handball, which really just sort of, like, like, you can't come back from that. Like, what was one of the most egregious handballs <laughs> I've seen in years, where I was like, like, for what reason can Ben have his arm out like that? I just couldn't... I, I, I had a conniption. I was like, what are you doing? Like, and he had um, both hands in the same shape, the same direction, making an L shape going that way. <laughs> it was like ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's very different to say, you know, the Sissoko one from the Champions League final where yes. Sissoko has his arm out communicating to a teammate to go, oi, go there. And it's, it looks like a lot more of a natural position. Yes, and uh, then it's like almost like top of the like top of the arm as well, and that sort of. And we don't need to talk about that yeah. handball decision because we'll get, we'll get too angry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this one from Ben, it was like you, you've got to be like. I think that's that's completely a brain fade. Um, but also, that's what happens when you're like so far through your stock of defenders that you're pulling people on that really aren't going to be starting, and is unlikely that they're even going to be brought on in the Premier League. Um, and then I think from that point, um, you know, Wilfred Zaha, a player that Tottenham has often been linked to in the transfer period, is able to sort of bury a goal. And then, as is our, um, I think, you know, speaking about the atmosphere uh, <laughs> that that is created, you know, in like a London derby and that sort of thing. But um, I think few things uh, empower a team more than when Tottenham's on a bit of an upswing uh, and there's a bit of narrative behind it. And I think Palace hadn't won against us in like... 
11 matches or something like that. I can't remember what the number was. I think it was 11 or 12. It might have been like yeah. 10. We'd won the last 10, and but drawn two out of those. Or, or yeah, and out. then, you know, they've got a new signing. Eduardo's coming on, and of course, he's going to bang home two goals in 20 minutes. Uh, 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 it's. I, I feel like, um, you know, we, we make good fodder for narrative, I think. Oh, definitely. At, at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and I think that's really what it was. That was the atmosphere that the whole crowd was feeding on because it was like, <laughs> this is this is this can happen, you know. It does really feel like a TV episode that's being written, yeah. um, and you're like, all right, how can we make this worse? We need to heighten it. We need to make it worse. You can't just have like a good player go injured. What do we do? Yeah, let's send someone off. All right, let's get them sent off. Oh, let's have maybe the other villain in that scenario not get not get sent off. Oh, great, cool. Let's do yeah. that. Oh, let's. Let's bring Let's on have the most pantomime handball in the last five <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, it honestly felt like you're watching something from like Ted Lasso. Yes, um, yeah. Gra- mm. Which is a show that I, I love dearly. Um, Absolutely. And also, it was quite funny. So like, we were watching Ted Lasso this week and my wife, um, she turned to me, she made us pause and then turned to me and was like, okay, are Richmond, so AFC Richmond, the team from in, in, in Ted Lasso, she's like, are Richmond like Spurs? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, they just never seem to win anything. <laughs> and I was just like, what do you, this is supposed to be like a happy place away from like, you're not supposed to get stuck in about Spurs to, to me about this. Like, and I think it was, um, we might've been watching that after this Palace game as well. So it was like extra, like just tender. Um, yeah, of course. And I'm just like, what is, wait, what, what, what's happening here? <laughs> like I'm avoiding, tw- I avoided Twitter after the Palace game specific, because I'm like, you know what? I'm just, it's going to be so toxic for the next 72 hours or so. I'm going yes. to keep right off it. And yeah. little did I know that my wife would turn to me during a very happy, lovely show that we watch and just <laughs> absolutely just give me a, a jab in the guts. Yes. I mean, I, well, interesting thing you bring it up, like the, the, um, the fallout on Twitter, not surprising, but just completely unhelpful. Um, just... You know, I feel like there's. I feel like after the summer, there's been a lot less levy out these days, um, and a lot more like <laughs> this time. It was like, well, the transfer period was a nightmare. We didn't get anyone we needed to. What a waste! And also, Nuno knows nothing. What a bad signing. Uh, what, what a bad manager we've brought in. And it was like everyone forgot the fact that like we went into the game on top of the league. Like obviously, it's three matches, and I'm not saying that we're sitting there as title contenders. But like we opened the first month really well, and then we get ravaged by injuries have a bit of bad luck. We lose against uh, Crystal Palace side that was able to sort of like aggressively push against 10 players um, and like an understrength defense um, and then managed to get like a penalty and then two late goals um, with, with, from, from a bit of pace against like exhausted players. Like that's not a recipe of like utter disaster. Um, and I think there are performances. I don't think anyone played tremendously, but, like, um, I, at least my response to it was not watching the game being like, well, stick a fork in this season. We're going to end up 10th. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all over. Like, I, I, I was like, yeah, that was, a, that was a, a bad day. But, like, you know, I think we were due for one. Um, and there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that meant that we couldn't play our best game. Definitely. And part of that narrative you were talking about, too, and, and from the international break, is, like, we don't just lose Son. We lost Bergwijn as well. Yeah, and Bergwijn's Stevie been great. B, who I've I've really been liking this season. Yeah, definitely, and he's been such a, a key player for us so far. Um, and it's like, he, like he, I think he's carried the ball really well, and like defensively, he always puts in a really good shift there. 
Mm. Um, and he's just, he is a threat going forward. He does, you know, need to rediscover his scoring form mm. um, and, you know, get that confidence back when he's actually in front of goal. But apart from that, like he's, he was doing so, so, so many positive things for us in the first three games. And then so yeah. to miss him as well, like, I think like, yeah, I agree definitely with what you're saying. It's like, we can really look at this in a balanced way and go, it was not a great game at all, but yeah. this doesn't need to mean we're suddenly like getting stuck into the transfer policy, this, that, everything else. It's like, we've lost five, six first team players throughout this international break. Any team is going to be affected by that. Yeah. And then we get, we lose a player at the start of the game. Then we get a red card. Like there's so many things that have to go yeah. wrong for this to play out. And then also the yellow, the handball was the breakthrough. Yeah. So it's exactly. like, and once once we went one nil down, we were always going to concede more. Like it was never going to be, oh, we can go, we go one nil down, we're going to get, we're going to claw it back with ten. Yeah. Down. And I, w- I will say not not to excuse Nuno of all blame because I I do think that there is blame to be had there. I do I do, I do think particularly after the handball, I think once you go one nil down in that situation, trying to remain conservative just can't do much for you. It's, but also, uh, you know, I'm a fan of attacking football, so whatever. But um, I do think keeping that last substitution up, up his sleeve, even if it meant bringing a, a, off a player that you wanted to keep on, like just injecting some fresh legs and hoping against hope that there's like a slip up and then someone can just like blister down there and like put a put a cross in and like help harry actually get a touch inside the box um i that that that, that, to me that's like the response that was needed and instead we sort of got you know a a second defensive sub um after after the sending off and then we're just sort of like sitting there um yeah which i I didn't love no i agree with that and i was personally calling out for hill to come on because I just thought, like, look, we know again he's played for Spain during the break, so this is obviously you know you want to sort of manage him too and, and introduce him in. But I was like, look, you can chuck him on at this stage for the last like twenty minutes in a game like this, um, because all it takes, even if it is one nil, and I said previously, like as soon as we went one nil, I thought it would be more, but yep. still at the same time, at at one nil, at nil nil, as soon as we go a man down, it's like let's just have a crack because it's very unlikely that we are actually going to manage to hold on for the whole 90 minutes if we don't score. So yeah, let's get, let's get Hill on. And mm. you know, the good thing is, is that he's, he's quick enough, but you know, you wouldn't call him like a speedster, mm. but he's, he's got a lot of guile to how he plays. And from what we saw of him and Kane again against Pathos, um, but we saw that there was a really nice sort of like attacking intent for him. Like he goes pretty direct, but he also takes care of the ball really well. Um, And I think that if we were looking to kind of try and snatch one on the break against Palace, which was really going to be our only way with 10 men that we were going to get something was that Mm. they were going to pile on so heavy on us that we were then going to get a chance to counter a player like that really would have been beneficial to, to sort of run with. Um, I think someone like Ndombele, I know a lot of people are also calling for him, but I yeah. almost feel like it's a really interesting situation there that if he doesn't even come on, like he's not featuring at all now. Mm. And it's like, this is the fourth manager <laughs> who's who's not wanting to play him. And, you know, by all accounts, he had his heart set on leaving this transfer window and he's stuck here. Um, it's just a really interesting situation we find ourselves in um, mm. because... 
yeah, I guess overall it's like Ndombele is like such an incredible player when he is on his, on his game and he plays well. But then we do have like I would prefer in this situation to have seen Gil come on. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, um, I mean, just quickly with regards to like uh, Hill, I think one of the wonderful things is that he is a young player, and there is that. And I know this mentality didn't necessarily work for England with the uh, the penalty shootout in um, in in the Euros. But I think what Southgate was trying to do with the substitutions he brought on there and the order of those penalties was that I, I think he, I remember seeing in an interview or something like that that he was talking about like he wanted these young bold players who might not, you know, care about, like, the stakes or the pressure, like, those that are, like, that sort of, like, that that arrogance of youth or something like that. Um, and I think, I think uh, you know, young Brian would have that as well. Like, similar to, like, um, you know, Deli Alley when we first had him and, like, the goal that he scored against Crystal Palace where he's, like, sort of, like, you know, volleying it over himself. Um, there is a sort of, like, cheekiness that comes from that where you're like, well, if this doesn't work we might lose position and like a wiser head might be like, don't, don't play that pass. That's like a low percentage pass. Like, let's go for something that's more, more conservative, but like still creative. And I think you want those young players to come on as a bit of a circuit breaker in that situation to be like, you know, we're down 10 men. You really shouldn't try that pass, but you know what? That pass is going to the best striker maybe in the world. And maybe that's all we need in that situation to go level or, you know, whatever else. Um, Definitely, I think we, that that youth yeah. that that's a really good point on that because to me it sort of reminds me of you know when kids play and you're like, all right, everyone, we're wizards, yay, <laughs> cool, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, cool. Uh, but then if you go to a set of adults, like, all right, let's play, let's be wizards. People are like, nah, that's I'm, I'm I can't be a wizard. I'm I'm not yeah, equipped totally. to be a proper wizard. Um, that's that's <laughs> a bit unrealistic for me. So I know that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but I guess what I mean there is that like. <laughs> As we get older, we, we go, you know what, in life, we've learned from our mistakes. We've learned from things that we've done. We've learned from our successes as well. And we sort of go, cool, this is possible. This is not possible. And we keep playing more and more into the sense of what we think is possible rather mm. than pushing the boundary as to what might not be possible. And I think what you're yeah. saying with with Hill, with Delhi, um, young Delhi, like these sort of players, is they don't know where their limits are. And so they exactly. are keen to push that and yeah, like it, sometimes it will get them into some trouble, of course, but in moments like this, it's like, you really need that. You really need that spark to, yeah, to sort completely. of, you know, in, inject some, some freshness, something unexpected into the team as well, because it's like, that's, that's the stuff that is going to end up breaking through and kind of creating these chances is something that the other team does not expect to happen and you really have play need to have players on who can do that and do have the license to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I also think with um with regards to Indomble, um obviously it's been quite a saga and that sort of thing. But my hope is is that he's never tried to leave more than <laughs> the transfer we've just had. He hasn't got his wish. I'm hoping this is the darkest before the dawn. Like um you know we we have to pay his wages. Um, I think it's unlikely he goes during, um, you know, during Christmas. Um, also, I was just going to say, and the wages as well. The wages are like ten million pounds a season. Yes, like yes. they are some wages. Yes, exactly. I think part of the reason why no one wanted to, um, no one wanted to take him. I mean, is there a report going around that like Ndombele was offered uh, to Barcelona in the Emerson Royal deal, and Barcelona were like, no thanks. Um, it wouldn't I mean, surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, to be fair, Barcelona have their own <laughs> their own financial stuff going on at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. bringing on a player like that would, would probably be a nightmare. Um, but my hope is is that this is his, you know, darkest before the dawn. He's like, well, I'm stuck here. I may as well have one last crack. Nuno is, uh, you know, I think he's the sort of, you know, man manager that can get something out of a player like Ndombele. Um he just he just needs enough drive to um and I, I not that I'm like sort of like leaning into the whole idea that he's lazy and that sort of thing. I think it's just like he's probably just struggling to sort of find his form and really click in a team which has been like incredibly unruly. Like we've had all these players that have been complaining about wanting to go for so long and we've had like mm. Pochettino struggling with the team and then him going out and then like Jose Mourinho is you know, there's a whole can of worms there as well. So I, I don't think it's unreal, unrealistic for him to be, you know, um, to have cold feet about being in North London and being at Tottenham and, you know, losing his, like, sort of French friends as well. Um, I think all of that tracks. Um, but my genuine hope is that this is the season where it clicks. And I, I actually, I have some optimism about that. Like we, he might just ride the bench for a year and then we might just get his wage off the books and that's done. Um, but I do have genuine hope that this is the year he turns it around. Cause I think he's just such a fantastic player. Oh, he is excellent. And it's like, I, like last season's kit, I got a dumbbell in the back. Like I, I would love for him to, to work out. And yeah, I think like you said, like it's, we, it's, I don't believe the whole narrative like, oh, he's lazy, he's this, that, everything else. Um, mm. It's like, to the truth is, we don't really know what the issue is. Um, but, you know, to speculate as well that his two closest buds, Sissoko and Aria, um, have left, it would be having an impact. He's also, you know, a father for the first time and me mm. me recently going through that. I know that takes daddy. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, <laughs> as anyone else knows, who's that again? Um, so I can see that, yeah, like hopefully, you know, in a month's time or two, um, we'll start actually, well, I, I'd hope before then, but, you know, hopefully in, in, within a couple of months, we start actually seeing him really be able to take an active role and maybe getting back into the team, maybe playing well and, you know, looking like he um, he's at, at least content to be <laughs> here for a while and he's yeah. keen to get his like career back on track and, and really sort of push things forward. Well, um, I also think because he's the exact sort of profile of player that we're missing at the moment you know everyone's always talking about like well we never signed a backup for Ericsson and we're missing that sort of creative player to you know do that and I'm, I'm not saying that Ndombele is the exact same player but certainly is capable of forward progression um uh and is just like a like a master on the ball um but if Ndombele doesn't figure it out in terms of what our team composition is like we could be like th- that midfield question is a huge one um, you know, cause obviously like Delhi, who I've been impressed by this season, I think he's come back really fit and like this idea of him playing much more box to box and being less directly attack minded and more open in his game. I'm, I'm very much into, um, and then, um, Hot Hjörbjörg obviously being, um, an absolute gun, but then there are questions around, you know, like skip, h- how best do we like fit him in? Winks is still getting games. Um, like what? What is our best formation? Who are our best attacking? Like, is it an attacking three? Are we playing like like? Are we shifting like Kane up by himself and doing more like a four two three one scenario again? Like, what is our best formation and our best players? And I think Ndombele 
playing at his best fits into that best 11 and that helps you then figure out what that shape is. Um, but without that, I think we have a couple of similar players in the middle of the park um, that make it hard to know who our best 11 are. Definitely. Um, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, we just simply haven't had enough time for the new manager, players coming back from injury, players coming back from Euros, mm. new players in the squad to sort of settle in. Like It would have been mm. so great to not have this international break and just have two weeks off from games heaven. where everyone can just hang out, you know, play some Yahtzee, do whatever, like, you know, <laughs> have a good time. And, um, but yeah. more importantly, actually start really having an extended period to work with the team without interruptions um, mm. to go for. I think that would have been really great to have. Um, so what we do have now though, is we do have a caller on the line. Hello. Hello, Barney. How are we? Oh, I'm well, thanks. Uh, how are you guys going? Great. Yeah, good. Wonderful. <laughs> we've, we've just spent about 20 minutes just getting absolutely stuck in about the Palace game. Um, <laughs> and we thought, well, look, we know that you're off this week, but we figured, look, there's there must be some emotion that you are just wanting to get out there. Oh, yeah. I'm furious. I'm furious. As I said last night, I am furious. It uh, was such a frustrating game. And on top of that, as I said to you earlier, Dan, I just feel like Harry Kane. He didn't give it his all. <laughs> and there we go. I think that's that's a hot take that we needed to come in into the mix as well. That like it's like Harry Kane has avoided this the the attacks from everyone about the game, but then he's not out of Barney's firing line. No, he's definitely not. To me, I saw a man that was not putting in uh, I don't I really don't want to go down the path of uh, effort or uh, getting stuck in or anything like that. But I mean, like he had what was it, like two touches in the opposition's box or did he have none? I, ca- I can't remember. It was, I was blinded by my own rage. <laughs> I believe it was none as well uh, in terms of touches inside the opposition box. Oh, it was none. Okay, yeah. So uh, considering he's supposed to be the best centre forward in the world, that's uh, <laughs> pretty damning, isn't it? It's it's great. And I love just the way we get a thing like this and like let's just start turning on each other. Like Kane is someone who, like I said, he's avoided our, um, our, any of our criticism so far, but like, you got to ask, what was Kane doing? Um, what was he doing? What was he doing throughout that game? And, you know, if he is dropping back and trying to get involved, like, um, he's a really interesting one. Like early, earlier on, we were talking about like sort of Kane and Son and how, you know, Son seems to be like more of a important player in how the team is playing. Um, mm. and we really miss when he's going, but, it's really interesting with Kane. Like, it kind of feels like, you know, after the summer he's had, Kane really needs to kind of go on basically a superstar run and win us a whole bunch of games to make everyone kind of like, you know, um, get off his back, basically. Yeah, this was, this was a perfect Harry Kane game for like a, you know, a perfect hat trick. Like one on the left, one on the right, one with his head. Like, so, like just like completely stomping over a Crystal Palace team who like have the spirit to try and beat Tottenham, just getting crushed by a single player. Um, uh, and, and then, yeah, he sort of like didn't really get off the team bus um, in, re- in response to his effort. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't get off the team bus. Like, you're right in that he has, like, he's got probably 15 more goals until I have to give him. And uh, they were, I mean, obviously very absent from uh, from this game. <laughs> They're very, we could have done with one of those goals. Just it, one. Just you could one. argue and say, well, we needed four. But, I mean, if we got one, we might have not, we might have found ourselves in a slightly different scenario. 
Well, do you remember last year when the team wasn't going particularly well or or we won, but it was pretty scrappy? There was still this sort of like, well, at least Harry Kane is trying his best and he's going for it and he's doing everything. Whether this game was so devoid of that that uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's like added a further um, uh, scar to my to my Harry Kane relationship. Well, I mean, on that barn, like with, with regards to your um, ongoing relationship and your sense that he is um, actually a giant serpent in human clothes, uh, yep. rather than a human being. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon end of the year if we're not like? Um, I mean, yeah, if, if we're not top four end of the year, do you think he's 100% gone? Uh, I mean, I was ready to let him go prior to this season. Um, and if he goes at the end of the year, then, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't think that dependent on us finishing in a Champions League spot or in, uh, you know, outside of that um, it will sort of, determine whether he stays or goes. I think he wants to go regardless. And I wouldn't mind the money that we will get from selling him to buy uh, a player that actually wants to be here. Yeah, I I was going to say, I almost feel, though, that the problem with Kane, in a sense, is that next season there are a few other players on the market who might be a little bit more attractive than Kane. Um, Mm. And so this could possibly have been a bit of a mischance for him to go to Man City, although... I guess if he has another solid season in the Premier League, it's uh, it's still probably hard for them to look past, you know, making a cheeky... But they'll just throw in a cheeky bit of like 50 million or something and then they'll <laughs> complain that we don't want to sell him and that we're being like assholes or something like that. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, I hope... Like, his conduct and, and his brother's conduct up to this point have been so poor that I wonder whether he will just ride off this season and not... Because he will be... <laughs> from the get-go be trying not to get injured or whatever. But then he'll have a bad season, which will then lower his value and make it less likely for teams to come in for him. Well, it's also something too that like Kane, Kane doesn't need to play well to get in World Cup contention. No. So like he's a shoe in basically. And yep. any if he, if he is poor in any way this season, um, like obviously he, there'll be a part of him who'll be wanting to play as well as he can to get in good form before the World Cup. But if he's not playing that well, he's it's not like he's going to be dropped from the England team. So he yeah, doesn't right. he's not really trying to play, you know, play his socks off that he he suddenly ends up going from like not picked in the, you know, the 25 man squad to then suddenly getting into contention to play. So there is yeah. he doesn't really have that sort of, you know, motivation to go for him. Um yeah, yeah be he, he he can't be motivated by golden boots at this point either. Like 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 the obviously there's like the big Premier League um, goal scoring record, but it sounds like he doesn't want to leave the Premier League anyway. Um, if he goes elsewhere, he wants to sort of stay. Like he wants to go to a different club, but he wants it to be in the Premier League. Um, but then, as you say as well, like next year, it's like, well, is Haaland staying at Dortmund, or like is there going to be an offer of like two hundred million pounds plus? Um, for you know, one of the best strikers in the world who happens to be under twenty three. Yeah, you got to yeah. go Harland. Yeah. <laughs> you go, you go Harland. Like you go you Harland. Have to. You have to. I want to Jacko. Um, on this pod, we are very uh, Javier uh, biased, and mm. um, one of the things that I noticed from the weekend was that obviously Tanganga did an excellent tackle to get a yellow card, 
um, and then um, proceeded to get a pretty weak second yellow. Um, but one of the things I noticed was that Harry Kane was around the ref, but he didn't, you know, like make any impact on, on how Tanganga was sort of recklessly performing. Um, and both Dan and I have said previously that we would, we just want Hoybier to be the captain. Um, and it shouldn't be Larice and then Kane. It should just be Hoybier. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, um, it is that tricky thing, like a goalkeeper as a captain, in terms of, like, the impact they can have, um, I think mm. it's always going to be less than someone that's probably going to be anchoring your midfield. Um, having yeah. said that, though, I, I, I certainly am going through the... Um, I'm gripped by Larice nostalgia. I've got Larice fever, um, as I think a lot of people do <laughs> at, at the moment. Because it's... They're really... The club is really playing his greatest hits all the time. And also, he's, like... He's gotten good again in a way mm-hmm. like i feel like he sort of dipped for a bit and now all of a sudden he's like no no i'm like i'm the french number one like i'm, I'm a really good keeper and it's like oh yeah no you are you are playing really well um and so in terms of like ripping it off him to give to um Hjoyberg, uh like i'm i'm happy for larice to have it i mean if this is his last season with us i'm not sure if he's gonna go one more again but um but then in terms of like harry i I, yeah, I can't see Harry as a captain um, of the club, given the way he's tried to leave it. And I also think, like, in terms of the impact he can have, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd go um, I'd go Pierre, I reckon. Um, although, I mean, admittedly, like, Harry was trying to sort of in, uh, intervene um, mm. in, in those instances, as you say, very much as, like, you know, I'm the captain of England. This is sort of me having a chad. Um, I mean, it didn't amount to anything. And maybe mm. um, having that same captain voice coming from the middle of the field, yelling at our inexperienced undermanned defense would have mm. been um, more beneficial. I don't know. I just feel as well, yeah. like someone like Hoybier, it would really just suit him to a T. And like, Completely. you just see how, how he holds himself when he gets a bit revved up. Like, it just seems like that would be such a good role for him. I think as well that because Hoybier is not like the most skillful player on the team, I think you can really lean into that captaincy position. Um uh, a, a lot more. So it's like, whereas if you've got Kane, who's like trying to score 25, 30 goals a season, plus he's the captain as well. Plus he's this, that, everything else. I think like Hoybier playing in the middle of the park, it's such a good spot to have your captain. And he would just take on being a leader. Like he would, he would love that. Um, and he's done it before at clubs. So it's not like this is something new to him either. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I agree with you, Jacko. I'm not sort of in favor of ripping the captaincy off the race. Like I think he, uh, as a leader, is very competent. It's just more the the deferral to Kane if Lloris isn't playing, or Kane being yeah. the the one the outfield player that is involved. I just don't see his value. Um, but the, my last gripe about this game, and I don't if you guys have covered this, just tell me to shut up. But um, <laughs> I felt so uh, annoyed with Jonathan Moss's. Uh, ref display and like it's so crap to just blame the ref but he like you watch him and he's he's so far behind the play at all times and i don't want this to get confused (laughs) with with me making a criticism about his body shape because there are people that have that body type that would easily be able to keep up the game and he would probably kill me in any kind of running race but it was just and uh, dan you made a great point to me the other day about the fact that he seemed like he was being influenced by 
the real the very loud Crystal Palace supporters. I just I question like his ability to manage a game that has you know what this game has with yellow cards and red cards and mm. penalties. Yeah. So you want like sort of like a, a standardized uh, beep test scenario going on with all the refs that you know, that that <laughs> data and statistics to be available up front, um, so exactly. we can sort of be tracking their fitness throughout the uh, throughout the season. What I want is a commune of refs that spend all day <laughs> training to be refs, um, and they just do beep test, beep test, beep test. It's their sole focus. Um, they don't know anything about the outside world. They just come on, and all they know is what is right and wrong on a football field. I would love um, it. I, I would love it just to, sorry, I was going to say, I was, if beep tests were just brought back into the game a little bit more, like if that was public knowledge to fans of like, all right, the, here's the squad, here are their beep test scores. Yeah. Nelly's right, running an 18. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's back this season. He used, to, he used to barely get out over a 12. He's doing an 18 this season. We're really excited about it. Yeah, because it would take me right back to school where I remember doing beep tests and it's like, the highest I ever got was something like, I think eight points something, and for me, like mm. that was an achievement. But to oh, find yeah. out, it would be so great just to know, like, because when they go, oh, the players have this much, this is their top speed. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything mm. to me. Like, I've never tried running, and someone's gone, hey, here's your top speed. Because I mean, <laughs> if they looked at that, they probably like it would. The system would be going backwards. Yeah, but I would love to just know beep test scores, or it's like, hey, we're linked with this player from Germany, and he's got a he's got a twenty three beep test. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, that that's great. Cool. <laughs> Where's I that scouting that. website that just has the beep yeah. test scores for everyone? Yeah, I love well, yeah, it's like that's the great. it's like the Michael Cayley statistics, but instead of about like XG and that sort of thing, it's just purely it's just all it's only beep tests. That's the only <laughs> metric we're running here. <laughs> That is well. Um, that is excellent. Uh, but I better also leave because I've got to continue with this horrible thesis that I'm doing. Hence, I'm not uh, present on the on the airwaves. Is that is that right? Yeah, the, that, I don't know. the airwaves yeah. is fine. Like it gets downloaded and it's it's through the air somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah magically. We were worrying, wondering, Barney. It's like whether the thesis actually exists, or you were just so disgusted from the palace result that you quit the pod. <laughs> but having you back on has allayed those fears. Uh, and yeah, good luck with the thesis. And when, when you're done, we will, we look forward to you coming back. Oh, fantastic. Enjoy the rest of the pod. Um, and Jonathan Moss. (laughs) 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 Great. Uh, well, yeah, it was just important for us to get Barney's thoughts on. Um, of course. On yeah. there, we we didn't get his a bit Spursy medal votes, but I think it's time for us to jump jump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, this is a tough one for the Abit Spursy medal. Um, we often have a lot of fun with the Abit Spursy medal. Um, sometimes you get situations where it's like, oh, I wonder. Well, well, I've got so many votes I need to give out. There's so many points that I want to I want to give to players. Uh, this one's more of a challenge. Um, mm. So, uh, Jacko, if you would like to go first, now a, a reminder of how the Abit Spursy medal works is it is the most prestigious medal uh, given out to Spurs players um, by anyone. Uh, that's what we tell ourselves anyway. Um, now, usually it's a 3-2-1, three, um, three points being who 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 was the best, 2-1 uh, and so forth. Uh, we also give out 0.5 uh, encouragement awards mm-hmm. um, to players or basically anyone. There are no rules in this. 
Uh, you could give uh, uh, an encouragement award to the to the grass if you thought it was great on that day, um, <laughs> and you could also give uh, negative points as well uh, to players who who deserve negative points or or, uh, or officials or anyone. I'm not trying to skew your voting, um, so. <laughs> Uh, I will let you take the floor and, uh, yeah, please, uh, 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 Jackson, in Barney's absence, um, uh, please uh, give us your votes for the Bit Spursing Medal. Yeah, I mean, it's very tempting to, um, particularly if this weighs in for any of Barney's voting, to throw the three points at Jonathan Moss. Um, but I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a masochist, so I won't do that. Um, we can't I fight can... amongst ourselves now, Jackson. We need, <laughs> we need solidity together. We need unity, yeah. yeah. Um, well, on that... Um, Look, my three points are probably going to go to someone who I've spoken a fair bit about this podcast. Um, but I reckon they're going to Delhi. And I don't, th- I don't think he... This is almost three points for, like, a body of work. Um, and I know there was, you know, some issues in passing and that sort of thing. Um, but I do think that throughout the game, moment after moment, particularly after Tanganga went off... Um, I think Delhi was really genuinely committed and in the game. Um, and I think that, you know, when we're trying to give out points to players uh, from that match, honestly, like, once we went down, particularly after, like, the handball goal as well, like, I think a lot of a lot of the boys were just kind of like, well, I mean, this is unachievable. And Delhi just didn't stop running. And I think, you know, all, his beat test scores must be just, like... Uh, off the charts at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that's where my th- three points are going. I love the idea as well of you giving this as a body of work. Uh, it, rem- <laughs> it, it, it situations like this. I mean, there's not really much else to go with. Um, <laughs> but it kind of reminds me sometimes of like what the Academy Award does with Oscars. Um, Absolutely. Like yeah. where they get something wrong one year and then like all the person has to do the following year is make a half decent film and then they're like nominated for best actor or best actor and they win. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course. I mean like Al Pacino winning for scent of a woman. It's like, no, he's, he's winning for like the Godfather and like heat and that sort of thing. He's not a scent of a woman. It's just, it's the film that year. Yeah. No, I like this though. So there's now little like subjects for a bit spursy metal. If you don't like, if it's str- if you're tr- struggling this week, then give it out for yeah. a body of work. <laughs> Yes. Overall. Well, I mean, hopefully moving forward, there aren't matches where it's so hard to allocate value <laughs> that you can just focus on, like, you know, ideally the individual merits of the match is what you want, but sometimes there aren't many. Uh, and you have to go all. to the body of work system, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's allowed. <laughs> yeah, a bit of nuance. Um, uh, on that nuance, uh, two points I'm going to throw to Tanganga. Um, I think he's you know, leaps and bounds, really progressing well. And I think the fight that he showed in that match was, you know, um, really, really strong. I, like, I I have no issues with that first yellow he got at all. Like, Mura went down, looked like he was potentially injured. Um, Palace had no interest in doing anything with the ball. Um, and then having him step forward and be like, no, 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 we're playing. Uh, and then even, like, in support of... Roy, um, Royal as well, who was just, you know, um, a bit lost out there. Um, Definitely. I thought Tanganga played with, like, genuine strength of character uh, and physically as well. Um, and I, I'm stoked to see him as one of our defenders. Yeah, I think that was, you know, that was a really... It, it was great. and They're really good points. And I think, yeah, on when Mora did go down, it just occurred to me, it was like Jonathan Moss was playing advantage, but he forgot which team. <laughs> 
was going to because it was one of those times where like you play advantage on the situation if it's your team breaking forward and he's kind of just going, I'm playing advantage. What do you guys want? It's like, it's the other team. It's the other team. It's such a blatant yeah. foul. But it was good that Tanganga stepped up and did something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, moments from disaster. But like, I, as I say, like in ter- terms of that approach, I think we need more of that, you know, um, uh, as a team. I think it's, yeah, something I, I fully back. Um, and then, um, I mean, God, one point. Who do you, like, like to be honest, I'm starting to feel like this is rough. Um, like, I would maybe split... I'd probably split into two encouragement votes rather than a one point. And I'd probably throw one to um, Hjoibjö just because he's a rock and he uh, is a steadfast member of the team. And I think he, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a Tottenham player through and through. And I think he showed that again, um, even in, you know, a somewhat limited performance uh, on the weekend. And then the other one I just shoot towards um, sweet Emerson Royal. Um, just because... Boy, it was hard with, with you know, uh, Mura not doing much uh, defensive work, sort of like tracking back and that sort of thing, and then just getting blasted by Wilfred Zahar, a player who has been linked to Tottenham for season after season after season, uh, and that pace and just like intention to just ruin Tottenham's day. Um, that's a rough... Like, I, like do, you, do you know how, how many days before did he get into, like, did he get to um, get to London? Oh, it must have been because it wasn't on deadline day. No, um, it was a few days. It might have been the day or two before. Yeah, so I think it couldn't have been more than that. Um, and so that's a rough environment to be like. You you've maybe had a training session or two, um, and then you're like, yeah, great, you're playing against a Premier League side. Oh, it's like en- enjoy the physicality and pace. Like, yeah, it's such a like it is such a welcome to the league, <laughs> like mm. Premier League, and one of the like the most sort of direct dribblers in the league. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's nuts. But I think, I think, you know, well-deserved of the encouragement, of encouragement award. <laughs> okay. um, are you giving any negative points? Are you being a points monster and taking any away? I think, I think I would take one off Nuno. I love him. I genuinely, I fall in love with him so quickly, and all of the all the press and everything that came out about Nuno. I think he did such a great job. I just think um, had to do more of the substitutions. Had to realize that his game plan a not not a great game plan. And I think looking at that um, that team formation before the game, I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to be good. Um, and then just an inability to respond when it was very clear that we couldn't progress the ball forward. Um, I do think probably cost him a point, in my humble opinion. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. Hmm. Um, how, how about how about you? What are you what are you rocking? <clears throat> okay, all right, all right. I was trying to hold back a little bit because it's, you know, well, I'll give you the space for yours, and I didn't want to sort yes. of let you come in over the top there. So, <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to give three points um, to uh, yourself, Barney, and myself. Um, <laughs> And that is for us for watching the whole game uh, and not not turning. I don't think we've ever given ourselves points in this before, but I think this is a week that we should. Um, you know, this was, thankfully it was only a 9.30 p.m. 
uh, kickoff for us. We didn't stay up and, and do a 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. kickoff or something, but... Can you imagine? Jesus. That would have just been horrendous. So at least we just <laughs> were sitting in our shame at like 11.30. And then, um, but I'm giving ourselves three points for watching the game. Um, yeah. I think for like a body of work as well. Yeah, no, body of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the idea. It's like, all right, these guys, this is a bit space metal is stupid at the best of times, but now they're giving themselves points for <laughs> just for watching the games. Yeah. They had more of an impact on the game than the players themselves. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, okay, so that's three points uh, for us. Uh, two points I'm giving for Tanganga. Um, one for each card. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, I think uh, like like what you covered with him, like I, I think that he's he's a really good player that, um, you know, we just need to keep, keep with and he's going to have moments like this. Um, like I think I saw a statistic the other day that the pl- the Premier League player with the most red cards is Patrick Vieira, and mm. Patrick Vieira was like, I I have a soft spot for him, and not from his Arsenal days. So I mm. I when I was in Italy, it would have been uh, two thousand and seven or something like that, um, or maybe a bit later. But I went to see a game, and it was Juve against Lazio. And Vieira was playing for Juve at the time. He was in midfield. It was just like it was ridiculous. Like it was just a, a a work of art. His performance then, like he was just knocking the ball around outside of the foot, like switches, like everything like that. And I was like, you know what? There's a he's an exceptional player that I probably because he was just at Arsenal. I was like, no, I hate him. He's rubbish. Um, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, he has the most uh, red cards I think with eight. Coincidentally, he was also coaching Palace. Uh, sorry, managing yeah, very interesting. managing pals. So this is all kind of coming full circle. Um, but I think that a player like Tanganga, he'll learn from this. Um, even though we've said it was a bit harsh, he'll learn from this and he'll keep growing. Yeah. And I would prefer him to go out and make these challenges rather than play within himself and never get close to it and not yeah. get and you know always have players getting the better of him. Well, I mean, and I think speaking of like Italy, that there's that wonderful tradition of like Italian defenders who are, like, strong and who do, you know, push the bounds of what you can and can't do in a game. But I think if you, if you, while you're young, if you develop in that way and if you find where the line is and you just, like, ride it, like, I think that can lead to a defender that is just heaven to watch. Um, and I, you know, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, sit here and be like, fuck, Tanganga's, he's the fucking future. He's everything. <laughs> But I, but I think, I think it's it's uh, okay for Spurs fans to feel optimistic about his development as a player because I think we've seen some good signs. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I, I think I like what you say that it's like, you know, can you have a commentator get through one sentence where they say Chiellini and Dark Arts, like where that doesn't happen? It always, <laughs> it's just like every single game, it's just like, well, Chiellini, master of the Dark Arts of defending. Um, and so it's like kind of applauded uh, like yeah. that. So. Look, this was a very blatant application of those um, of those underhead sort of defending <laughs> very tactics. Very dark arts, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, he's uh, he's got a, he's got a good future, and he's someone that I've, I would like to see us keep giving a lot of game time to, and have him mm. developing. So he's getting two points now. I feel stupid that I gave us three and him two. So that's anyway. <laughs> we move on. We you, you don't want to hype him up too much. I think it's important. He's still young. You can't you can't give him the full three points. I think that's very fair. totally. Um, it's for his development. And it would feel weird to give someone three points when they get set off in a game as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was my thought. Yeah, I was like, I really want to give him the three points, but like fundamentally, we do probably lose the game because he got sent off. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it would be weird. It's it's like 
the the abyss Percy Manor would lose whatever credibility he has left if yeah. he got the three points well, there. So because if he if he stays on, then you know Davies doesn't come on, which is great. Um, and then Hill is probably. I, I remember seeing Alistair Gold tweeting out, being like, uh, "Brian Hill is about to come on," and then like immediately as he tweeted, the sending off happened, and it was like, "Never mind, Never mind. like yeah. we're we're doubling down." <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it is one of those moments where you're like, if that one thing changed, the match could have been completely different. But having said all that, still love him. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to give one point to Lucas. Mm. Um, and I think that reason is in the first half, he was trying to get things going. Didn't really work for him. But like, I remember he was, um, he's a player. He, he just like, even if the team's not playing well, he does, he has a go. He gets stuck in. Um, and we talk often of like that should just be the baseline for every single player, but it's not because players are human and they have different psychological traits as well. And, you know, not every single player in the world gives a hundred percent effort all the time, even the top level mm. players. So I think it's really just noted that I thought, especially first half, he was trying to get things move going. It wasn't really happening for him, but I thought he was kind of a bright spark for us in the first half, uh, when we didn't really have much happening at all. Um, so I'm going to give one to him. I'm going to give uh, an encouragement, uh, half an encouragement point. Well, sorry, a full encouragement, which is half a point, um, this system, um, to uh, Emerson Royale as well. Because I think, again, it's like he had a tough time with Zaha, but ugh, like I wouldn't like it's it's just a nightmare scenario to come into the league and play, yeah. play against someone like that. So uh, uh, half a point, um, I think he did as the game got on, like he... There are a few moments where he showed maybe a little bit more confidence, but I think it would have been it would have been much easier for him to have an introduction in a, in a slightly quieter game. But mm. the fact is, we're so stretched as a squad at the moment that we had to um, we had to play him. We couldn't give him another week to sort of acclimatize yeah. to the league. To, sorry, to the a new life. We we, ha- <laughs> we had to play our first choice right back as a centre back. So you know, like <laughs> definitely. So you know, you, you do what you can. Um, I'm going to give Davies a minus one. Uh, again, it's just like, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing, Ben? I've I, in the past, I've kind of, I had a bit of a soft spot for D- for Davies because like he's always been reported he's a nice lad, um, mm. and I think that in in certain seasons he's done well as like being a squad player to come in and cover at various times. Uh, but I think like he should know a bit better than this, and that was like a really really sloppy. Handball. So it has to just be like, yeah, it has to be like a brain fade or something like that. Like he's, totally. he's played enough international football as well, where like so often it's like possession and then set pieces and that's the whole game. Yeah, like he has to do better than that there. Definitely. So he's going to get a minus one. Nuno is getting a minus one as well. Um, and I think for me that's because mainly I think we should have mixed things up at half time. Yeah. And absolutely. The first half was so drab that we just thought like, all right, this is just prime to let's get a kill on, let's get it on Dombat, let's get someone um, yep. and mix it up. And I think to go out into the second half, and I know we'd already made one change, but we still got two in the bank, so it's fine. We're fine. Um, and I, I just think we it, the game was calling out for us to make some sort of change to put us back on the front foot um, at halftime. And I think that was a pretty yeah. big missed opportunity for Nuno there. After the sending off, I like I'm not really too fussed because it's like it's so difficult from then because totally. if he if he really went for it and Crystal Palace carved us up and got three then people would criticize and go you shouldn't open up that much if you're a man down you should sit back and try and hold on so I'm going to give him minus one 
Um, I'm also going to give out a, a, another encouragement uh, half a point um, to uh, the Crystal Palace documentary, When Eagles Dare. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime, uh, Amazon Prime Video. And it's a six-part series about, I believe, their 2000... It's around their 2010 to 2013 um, sort of spell um, where they're in the championship. Are they going to go down? Are they going to come back up? Uh, but it was just really great to see a really nice documentary, which I thought had a lot of heart in it. And it, it made me have a more like a softer spot for Crystal Palace overall. So this has yeah. nothing to do with the game, but <laughs> I'm giving that... Because uh, I wanted to give that a shout-out. Um, it, I think it's yeah. worth watching as a fan of another team uh, because it's like an interesting, uh, it's a pretty interesting story to see, you know, how they sort of put that team together and, and what, what sort of ended up happening. So that's where my last uh, encouragement vote uh, goes to. Yeah. I will say quickly, like, uh, like Palace has always been a team that I've been kind of interested in. I mean, I think obviously, um, um, you know, some like some of the connection there uh, with that team, um, in like previous years, but like even like the Conor Gallagher loan, I I just sat there the entire time being like, How, what is this kid do? Like this is such a great loan pickup. And then also I was like, you know, furious, and I was like, Chelsea has done it again. <laughs> what are they gonna? They're gonna sell this player for like you know forty million pounds, such someone in Germany, and then they're gonna buy him back for hundred and forty million pounds in like four years time. But like. I, I was like, I was, gen- I mean, also admittedly, I was playing against him in fantasy um, and he just <laughs> tore me up. He just tore me to hell. Oh, he's a great prospect. Um, and he's mm. the sort of player that you want to like him a bit, but then you're like, oh, but he's Chelsea, but he's, he's Chelsea yeah. blood. Yeah. Yes. But he's, he's great. <laughs> like I'd love to have him at Spurs. Um, mm, absolutely. To that. And I think like, look, Edward as well, like that, he was a player who, um, yeah, I think some Spurs fans were hoping we were going to go in for. Um, the big mm. challenge for us, uh, it was always going to be that so few strikers in the world are going to want to come in and play behind Kane. Um, yep. And then you have the argument of like, we'll get a player who can play with Kane. And it's like, well, you're talking about... A, that? Yeah. Like you're talking about there are very, very few forwards who can say play out wide and through the middle, be world class. And like it's a very, very challenging um, sort of predicament to, to sell to a player. Yeah. Well, at a certain point, you're looking at someone that is going to be as expensive as Harry Kane anyway. Definitely. Like, like someone that can actually fit in that role. Um, it, yeah, it's a, it's an impossible task. I mean, I wish we would have done something about it in a genuine sense in the last five years. And clearly, we, we don't know how to do that. Um, well, I, I always yeah. think that youth is the way to go. And mm. we need to find some younger players who are happy to either come in and play backup or happy to come in and then go out on loan. And mm. I think that's probably where there's been a bit of an error there because I really think finding first-team ready strikers who are... Because also this season, if you have a, a, a player that you're talking to and you're like, hey, uh, Lataro Martinez, um, we want you to come in. We want you to play with Kane. And he's probably like, well, Kane's leaving, isn't he? And we're like, no, 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 he's not leaving. Don't worry about that. He's uh, And I'm like, well, I've seen everywhere that says he's leaving. Everyone says, yeah. He's even saying that he wants to leave. Like I can, he's given an interview with Gary Neville. Have you seen this? Yeah, have, it was on a golf course. Yeah, have you seen Charlie Kane's bike with the Skidmark carpet? Like, <laughs> he's going. He wants to go. <laughs> and so it's like, I mean, it's such a difficult sell, I think, to find those players. And we're talking about you know, sixty, seventy, eighty million pound deals, which are huge deals anyway. Um, so I think just on that note, 
yeah, I guess I just want to add in that it's like, yeah, I agree. Like it w- would be great for us to have someone else who can come in. But, you know, to me, if we have Scarlet, I know he's very young, mm. but it's like, okay, if we've got Scarlet, let's use him. Let's start chucking mm. him in. Uh, not into a game against Palace when we're like down at the end of the game, but let's start getting someone like that a, a bit more game time. If he is our sort of backup striker, uh, a young player, let's give him a chance um, and see what he can do. Completely. That's what I think about like the the deals for like, you know, Hill. Obvi- I mean, I think the Hill deal is amazing, but also like even like Saar, like um, buying him and then learning him, like learning him back. And that like, I think those are the deals that we as a club of our size, even though we're very rich um, now, um, I think that's what we need to be do, doing to develop is like really focusing on youth, keeping the, the our best superstar players until we need to sell them. Um, and then, yeah, I think focusing on like finding those, using someone like Paratici to find those gems um, to either sort of m- make value or to really sort of build the team up because um, it's going to be so hard. And also anyone that wants to sell to us is going to be like, all right, Dan Levy, let's... Let's let let's let's see what you reckon about this. But we know that you need a striker, and we're happy to hold out. Yeah, I love as well that you uh, you you changed from Daniel Levy to Dan Levy, and I think it's like <laughs> to me that's the moment like where Daniel's trying to like become a little bit cooler or something, and he's like, yeah. Daniel Levy's dead now. It's Dan Levy. Yes, wrap around sunglasses and everything. Yeah, it sounds like that could be like an <laughs> HBO TV show. Dan Levy, I, I would watch that. Um, so I think look, looking forward. Um, speaking of youth and looking forward, uh, the two games we have this week. We have uh, Ren in the uh, Europa Conference League, uh, and then we have Chelsea after that. Uh, what are you thinking? What would you like to see from the, the the game against Ren? Given that that is Friday morning at our time, so Thursday night, um, UK time, and the Chelsea game is you know only a couple of days after that. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, I'm thinking we're prioritizing the Chelsea game. We also will only have our um, international contingent back for the Chelsea match, I think. Um, so obviously that means there's uh, fewer choices to make there. Um, look, Ren, they're like, what, they're like mid-table. I think, as I was having a look in the French, uh, in Ligue 1, they're uh, two draws, two losses, and one win. Um, you know, they're, they're a mid-table side over there. I, I, I think we like, we lean into youth, I think. I think we need to be resting players or to be having them ready to go for the Chelsea match. Um, and so I would want us to be adventurous with that, even if it blows up in our face and we lose the game and that sort of thing. Um, I, th- I think, uh, listening to the podcast um, a few weeks back, um, I would lo- love to like to win this. Like, the Conference League would be fun, um, but it's not my priority really um and i think that's what we should be doing is like focusing on the development of the kids a little bit um and then testing out alternate options that we have that we can then use in the premier league um but i I don't think we should be jeopardizing what is going to be a huge match for us and like a um a derby as well uh in the chelsea match definitely i agree with that i think like given that we're at the group stage now um we we can afford to have a slip up in a game like this um, yep. When the Chelsea game is really a big priority now, because um, I think you know two derbies in a row, and then we've got, I think we've got another game, or we might have Arsenal like pretty much straight up, straight afterwards. Mm. Um, so there are some games here which we do want to come away with some results, get that momentum happening again. And I do agree that yeah, the, the Conference League would be nice to progress. We still have time to do that, um, and I really still think that if the Conference League, if UEFA was serious about it, give the winner Champions League next season. 
um, actually give it some credit rather than, oh, the winner goes into Europa. It's like, come on, like it's pointless. <laughs> but if this was like, if, if the winner was getting Champions League, it's like, well, hang on. This is a pretty good uh, spot to yeah. be in and we would really kind of go for it. But yeah, I would like to see us... Um, basically, whoever is starting for us against Chelsea, let's not have them start against Rent um, on Friday. And yeah. it's the, to me, the Chelsea game, it's a really important game for us to bounce back because if we get thumped by Chelsea and Chelsea have a very good team right now, like Lukaku is going to just do bits this season. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like Chelsea are probably they're going to win the league. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a really important game for us to bounce back, get some players back and we, they won't have much time to like, you know, work with the squad and, and, and prepare for it. But it's going to be, it's a really crucial result to get things going, especially with the Arsenal game then coming up after that. Like I wouldn't want to go in like having been, uh, having lost three nil against palace, losing two, three nil against uh, Chelsea and then getting into the Arsenal game. And it's like, well now a two game losing streak, the pressure's piling up. Um, Arsenal could win this weekend too. And then it's suddenly, there's a lot more spice in that game. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's see how we go there. And then, yeah, hopefully Chelsea, we can, we can do something. And again, Derby game, you never know what can happen. True. Um, just real quick, uh, on Romero, do you think he starts against Chelsea? Um, I say at this stage, well, because Dyer, I'm not sure the extent of Dyer's injury, but I'm assuming he's out. Yeah. He's like, you don't go off like that and you come back next week. Um, no. So he's done. Because, I mean, obviously there, there is a pairing there where you go Sanchez and Tanganga uh, and then Royal um, on, on the on the right-hand side. I think I would probably feel a little bit more comfortable if we took our risk against Chelsea with Romero as opposed yeah, to I Royal. So. Like, I would like Royal, if he gets a... I would... I don't know. I would prefer him maybe not to start, and I would probably prefer to have Tang. Oh, hang on, wait. Tanganga's. Oh no, Tanganga's suspended. <laughs> what are we talking yeah, about? Okay, so he's gone. so yeah. it's he's not even an option. So at the moment, right. it's whether we go Sanchez and Rodon, and I'm like, nah. nah. We Sanchez and Romero. I think that's an exciting um, proposition. Um, so I'd say we go Sanchez and Romero, even though they both just would have just come back. Um, let's yeah. go that, and then we're going to have to go Royal, Royal out on the right, Re- Reggie on the left, and um, kind of just like, yeah, I'll hope for the best from there. <laughs> all, yeah, <laughs> a wing and a prayer is, I think, the, the main tactics we're, we're bringing in yeah. uh, for Nuno this time. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Like, I'm confident going in with that. Like, you know, we're going to probably concede a goal or two against Chelsea anyway. Um, mm. So I just kind of hope that. Yeah, like if Son, hopefully if Son is sort of on back, that would be incredible. Um, well, if Son, if Son's there, then it means we can be looking at like, you know, left side really pushing attack and then defending more on the right side and that sort of thing. So then Royale doesn't need to be as worried about moving up the pitch and then like tracking back. And then so, you, you know, like load up def- defense on the right-hand side and then you've got like Reggie and Son just like gunning it down the left-hand side. Totally. That would be great. You have Royale with, like, um, Lucas in front of him. Great. Done. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We never know in, in Spurs land at the moment. So, uh, look, I think that probably does it for this week. So, uh, thank you, Jackson, for joining. It was uh, lovely having you on. And, um, yeah, uh, having someone to share this pain with. 
Thank you so much for having me. And I, I think it was probably uh, helpful to give uh, Barney a week to breathe through the rage of Jonathan Moss's uh, tirade against us. Yeah, I think that's wise. That's wise. Uh, that's wise <laughs> for everyone. Uh, so, great. Yep. Well, that was another week of uh, A Bit Spursy. Uh, we'll see you next week. And, yeah, um, please, yeah, take care of yourself, Spurs fans. Don't don't, don't get too, too disheartened about the Palace game. I think we can really sort of bounce back from here and push on, uh, you know, for the rest of this early part of the season. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. 